Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with Aaron Blau and Kyle Mackey. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great, Dominic. You know, um, great match last night. I wasn't able to make it up to Vegas, but it looked like a lot of the Phoenix Rising faithful did. That was awesome to see, see and hear them on the TV. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just great performance all around by the team. Yeah, having a great weekend so far. Uh, got to catch a little bit of ASU women's soccer yesterday uh, down over at, at uh, the Sun Devil uh, Soccer Complex over there. And then uh, got to finish the night uh, out with some friends and uh, watch the game on uh, one, of the, one of the TVs at the bar. So it was fantastic. That sounds great. And thank you for supporting local soccer, Aaron. Uh, I know that's part of Firebird's mission, so cool to actually put... Uh, put it to uh, good use in practice by going out there and seeing something. So it was an exciting win this week, uh, a nice 2-0 win over Vegas. But before we dive too deep into that, we really should talk about the three loan signings that Phoenix Rising made during the week. Yeah, so we have three loan signings that come uh, off of possibly some influence from uh, our new coach, Peter Ramage, who's kind of in charge of that defense. Uh, we pick up uh, Saad Abdul-Salam. Uh, he's on loan from New York City uh, Football Club. We pick up Tristan Blackman from LAFC as well. And then uh, we pick up uh, Shaft Brewer Jr. as well. Uh, three really exciting players. Uh, Kyle, what are you thinking about? about uh, Saad Abdul-Salam here? Uh, I mean, I thought he looked great last night. I think his his ability to be physical, yet not overly physical, um, I thought he filled into the, to the back line great. I mean, I was really surprised to see him get a start last night. I thought we'd definitely see some of these loanies subbed in, but to see him start from the get-go, I mean, that's great. And I think I think he was a piece of the defense that I think that left back position or the right back position was a was a position that needed to be improved. And I thought that he looked great last night. Um, I mean, he really impressed me. You know, he's a young and up and coming player. Um, I just hope that we get to hold on to him through playoffs. You know (laughs) that I hope that New York City FC doesn't come knocking uh, to him soon. Yeah, and that is something worth noting. All three of these guys on loan. It's for the remainder of the season, but the MLS clubs have the option to call them back at any time. And so Abdul Salam looked really good for us at right back. 
Um, but then you also talk about Shaft Brewer Jr. and Tristan Blackman from LAFC. They're also having a strong season in that playoff chase. And so, um, you know, all those teams have more experienced guys at those positions. And, you know, there's a reason they're all coming on loan for us. It's because they need more playing time. They need more match experience. Um, but there's always that concern, too. If, if either of those teams pick up a couple injuries in relevant positions, then you could see them getting back onto those MLS rosters. And, you know, we just need to make the most of it for the next few months with Abdul Salam and maybe try to make one of those guys a permanent signing. But, you know, I, I, I would be pleasantly surprised if any of them became permanent. We'd probably need to hear MLS news uh, before next season for any of those to become permanent, especially a guy yeah. like Tristan Blackman, number three pick in the MLS draft. Yeah, so, uh, you know, just a few little facts about uh, some of these guys. So, Saad Abdul Salam uh, comes to us from New York City FC, but he did play three uh, three seasons with Sporting Kansas City uh, and was named Defensive Player of the Year for that club in 2016. Uh the next player uh, is uh, Tristan Blackman, coming up, coming from LAFC, who's having really a fantastic season, uh, a really good U.S. Open run as well. But now with the U.S. Open, uh, the U.S. Open Cup pretty much coming to a close, uh, maybe they wanted him to be able to get some more playing time uh, because they and, and didn't sort of need those extra minutes anymore. But he comes out of uh, the 2018 Super Draft, University of Pacific. And uh, really is a very consistent player So I, and has played very, very consistently over the past few years. So sitting on the bench definitely was not going to benefit the development of Tristan Blackman at all. No, no. And I, I mean, uh, you know, it, I think I think personally this is great business for Phoenix Rising. Um, you know, being able to get all th these loaned off players from three MLS teams, I think that's great to see that we're already developing relationships with MLS clubs, you know, and trying to do business with them. I think that, you know, that's something that, you know, will have to be happening moving forward. So it's, uh, it's great that we're getting started now. And I think all three of them, I mean, have so much promise. Um, Shaft Brewer Jr. has the one that I've watched the least footage of, but I just like that we brought in another attacker. I think I think it's going to be great and add to the add to the you know tenacity of this group and you know in practice it's just going to make it that much more competitive. Everyone's going to be fighting for that spot, and um, I think just you know as we're getting into this run of games to where we have two week, two matches a week, sometimes I think uh, being able to rotate these players out is going to be it's going to be great. And I actually really like Shaft Brewer Jr. We only got a small glimpse of him at the end of last night's match. Uh, but he has an interesting background. He grew up in Sacramento. He was just killing it with the Sacramento Republic Academy. Got to FC Dallas. And then he even went to uh, Red Bull Leipzig's Youth Academy out in Germany. Um, and scored a goal in three appearances for their U19 side. Uh, then, you know, opportunity comes up to join LAFC and MLS. And he's actually made a few appearances for them, uh, Has did not score, but also has made appearances with the U18s and the U20s for the U.S. men's national team. Um, and he scored with the U18s. So this guy has a lot of potential, and he's only 18. I think this is a guy where if we get an MLS announcement, maybe he is a guy that can become a permanent signing and get us started on the right foot that way. 
Def- I, I find him to be the most interesting and the most um, uh, exciting part of the three. I mean, obviously, we needed some help on the back line, uh, but to to pull in a, a player of his talent with creden- and credentials at 18 years old, uh, we we don't have that deep U23. Phoenix Rising is developing their path to pro, but we don't have that in place yet. So to be able to see this 18-year-old kid who's who plays with the uh, U20 men's national team, uh, who can come in and uh, really show us some demonstration of what youth football can turn out, I think it's really exciting to be able to, uh, especially if we're able to hold him for a while. Definitely, and and I hope that he gets maybe a start or two as the season progresses, because we still have a few Wednesday night matches late in the season. Um, You know, maybe there are two matches in a week, and maybe he gets more run in a couple of those. I'm with you. I love to see these young guys come in and make a difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're hungry, you know. They're, they've been fighting for spots in an MLS squad, so I think coming in here now, they're they're going to be just as hungry. And, um, I mean, I, I think it's just going to it's gonna be great for the all-around, the whole squad, just to have other players to rely on. And, I mean, from what I've seen, it seems like they've all been, you know, getting along great and, they were able. What's I think is great is they were able to go on this road trip right after these guys came in, and you know go up to Las Vegas and bond. And I think that that that's going to be huge. And yeah, hopefully we see them in in some of these uh, Wednesday night matches coming up. So with all that being said, let's turn to the actual match on Saturday. Uh, it finished Las Vegas Lights zero, Phoenix Rising two. Uh, pretty nice win from start to finish. Aaron, why don't you take us through this one? Sounds good. So uh, Phoenix Rising took their first visit up to Las Vegas. Uh, Las Vegas coming in in not great form, uh, two, two, four, and zero in their last uh, six games. Uh, most recently suffering a loss at the hands of Orange County SC, just like Phoenix Rising did, uh, giving up two goals to Michael Seaton and a, a, another goal to t- uh, Thomas Inavoldson. Um, Phoenix sent up a huge contingent of fans. Uh, that went up to the game. Unfortunately, the three of us were not able to join them. Uh, but it looked like, look, looking at social media and talking to other people, looked like everybody was having a great time on that trip. The game, Las Vegas, of course, is very, very interesting in terms of the way that they play. Um, and the game started immediately with head games. Uh, something I've never seen, essentially a an attempted fake out on a kickoff, uh, which which I thought was a little bit rude and insulting, um, but that's the way it was going to start. What did you guys think of that? I mean, Vegas will just do whatever it takes. So um, I don't know if that's if that's what they want to do uh, to start off all the power to them. I mean, kind of comes off looking like they're just dumb and ridiculous but you know that's that's kind of been their brand all season so i mean as long as it doesn't actually hurt us then okay yeah yeah i was gonna say i mean it it just seems like it's kind of become their identity um almost as if everything they do they either want to uh have it questioned or become a blooper reel so i don't know it's 
it's kind of it's it just seems like they're you know the masters of parody that's definitely the the role they've taken over i feel like in in the usl so it's uh you know it's like dominic said it, it didn't hurt us so it, i mean i don't necessarily have a problem but yeah i was i was intrigued to say the least <laughs> so at kickoff we saw some new faces uh, um on the field uh zach lubin started at keeper uh, for Carl Wazinski. Uh, coming on the back line, we had Abdul Salam, Amadou Dia, Pharrell, uh, and Defont. In the mid- in the defensive midfield roles, we had uh, Musa and Lambert, and uh, uh, I'm sorry, Musa and Waldrop. And uh, then we finish off with Lambert, Freider, Asante, and Johnson. A very different look Phoenix Rising team than what we're used to seeing. And part of that's probably because we have a very important match with San Antonio coming up on Wednesday. Um, you definitely want to give some guys some rest because you want to take maximum points out of the Wednesday match and then the Saturday match against Colorado Springs. Um, and and you're going up against the Las Vegas side that's not the best. But I, I like it. I think that you see this new blood. You see these guys that are hungry. And it's kind of the same formula to success that we saw at Portland a couple weeks ago. Several new faces in the starting 11, Devin Vega getting that start, and it kind of injected life into our performance that match. And I think you saw the same thing last night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, that, I, I am all for rotation, especially after a loss. You know, I think that, that it's great to see something a little bit different to give these guys an opportunity. Um, I mean, I, great to see Kavon Freider get the start. I think he's he's been patient and he's deserved it. And I mean, you know, I think last night he was able to, uh, I mean, he, he had some great, great uh, opportunities and I mean, some great plays himself. So I think that uh, all around, I mean, I'm very happy to see the rotation that we did. At first, I was kind of worried, you know, seeing seeing Pharrell and uh, Saad Abdul-Salam both come in, you know, two players that hadn't played together at all and uh, hadn't played in the last game, but, you know, they showed they were able to uh, to lock down that back line last night. Absolutely. Um, so we had our odd kickoff, and uh, things get running, running and rolling. Uh, Las Vegas has a chance to move the ball up and very, very quickly challenges Zach Lubin, uh, who makes a nice save on the uh, right side of the goal. Kind of woke everybody up, I think, and said, hey, it's, it's time to play. Um, as we are progressing through, not a lot of activity going back and forth. Uh, and then in the 10th mi- uh, minute, James Musa has a, plays a terrible ball in the uh, in the defensive half, but then the ball is able to get moved up, up on the side, and we have a cross that comes from Freighter off of the head of Solomon Asante into the uh, into the the goal um, into uh, Ricardo Farino who is able to make the save, but the ball bounces back into play. Asante makes a turn and places the ball in the back of the net for the first goal at the 10th minute. Yeah, and it was, you know, just 
a testament to Solomon Asante's hard work. I mean, great cross in. Uh, Ferrinho comes up with the big first save, uh, but then a lot of guys wouldn't hustle back, get that rebound, and create a second opportunity out of it. And Asante's able to do all of that. One thing I've noticed with him, he is so good at just creating that little bit of space uh, and then getting the ball on his right foot and letting one rip. Um, this time he keeps it low, gets it past the keeper, but you even saw it later in the match uh, when he had a chance that Frino saved. He just always does so well to just keep that defender off balance a little bit and create an open shot with his right foot. And when he has the ball on his right foot, he does not mess around with it very often. No, no, especially in that area inside the box right there. I mean, he's he's just lethal. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's so great to see him attempt the header. I mean, I wish he could have put that in. I think that would have been awesome. Uh, but, uh, I mean, just to see, you know, the, the consistency from him and, you know, the fight that he doesn't give up. He collects that ball, and like you said, he, you know, he's able to turn around, make – make some room in a tight space and get on that right foot. And we, we all know that that thing's a laser when he, when he gets it. And um, I mean, yeah, just great to see us go up one nil. I mean, I, I mean, for me watching from home, I think that's, that was the start I was looking for, you know, to get an early goal on the road. Like we talked about, that's uh that's seems to be the formula for us when we're away from home. And I think Lambert actually, uh, uh, Kevon Lambert actually played a little bit of a role in that. He was making a, a run on that after the rebound, off of the rebound, after the rebound from uh, Ferrino. and uh, I don't know. He looked up and saw Asante and ended up laying off. But I think his run actually threw the defense off because he was coming up hard and fast. It was about to pound that ball. And then he laid off and uh, Asante was able to uh, to place the ball in the back of the net. So very interesting to see the little minutia of how the, the players are communicating with each other on the field. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. That defender hesitated a little bit. When he saw Lambert's run, I think he was he wasn't sure whether Asante was going to hold the ball or lay it off to Lambert for Lambert to take the shot, and that that bit of hesitation allowed Asante to you know get his right foot on the ball and put it put the laces through it. So uh, yeah, I mean that was a great eye right there. Yeah, that was that was quite the run by Lambert, and that that's the kind of stuff that typically does go unnoticed, but it makes a difference ultimately. For sure, for sure. There's a lot more to this game than getting your name on the scoring sheet. Um, well, the first half moved on, and Vegas had a little bit more possession, but not too much to show for it, right? No, it was really a, a pretty bounced game. Uh, balls moving back and forth. Uh, Joseph Perez picks up a yellow card in the 29th minute um, after a really rough challenge on Amadou Dia. Dia, no worse, no worse for the wear, able to continue. Um, from then on, really, not much happened for the rest of that half. Which is fine by us, because we were winning at that point. But, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised that neither team was really going for it too much. Um, I guess there was the one free kick that, that Leuven had to get down and save, but that's really about it. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the defense looks solid. The The only thing that I, I was kind of disappointed with was to see us not push more and try to get that second goal. 
I think going into halftime up 2-0 would have, would have uh, you know, kind of eased the tension a little bit because, I mean, up until, you know, late in that second half, it was, it was a tight game. So, um, I mean, it's something that you'd like to see, but, you know, it didn't, it didn't hurt us. So it's uh, turned out all right. So we head off to the second half, and uh, again, I, there just wasn't that much that was incredibly notable um, that, that happened. I will say uh, that the 65th minute, we do have uh, a, our, our first substitution, uh, 65th minute being sort of that expected time where, where those subs start. Um, Evan Waldrop, in his very first start, uh, is that I believe that's correct. I believe that uh, last night was his first start. Um, first USL start. I think he started first the Open USL Cup start. Match. Yeah, that's right. He did start the Open Cup match against uh, Sporting Arizona um, or Sporting AZ. So he gets subbed off for another member of the youth squad, Devin Vega. So it was really great to be able to see both of them play in this game. Uh, the energy I felt was higher because of their presence on the field, uh, as well as uh, Kevon Freighter's uh, uh, presence. Yeah, and I think when you saw Vega come on, we did have more energy, because um, there was a stretch there in the early second half where we weren't creating too much, and it was just on the defense to kind of hold strong, keep that shape. We weren't offering too much going forward, but then once Vega came on, then you started to see us bring a lot forward those last 25 minutes and really could have had, maybe should have had more than the one goal we scored. So uh, then later on, uh, uh, not too many minutes later, uh, in the 70th minute, we have Billy Forbes that comes on to replace Jason Johnson. Johnson didn't seem to play a huge role in the match last night, uh, but anytime that you are able to put on the speed of Billy Forbes, uh, also on the field, the speed of Devin Vega, also on the, uh, the speed of uh, Kevon Freighter, uh, some good things can happen. And uh, that is what happened in the uh, 84th minute. Uh, Billy Forbes pl uh, plays a, a nice ball up. He ends up taking a nasty challenge from the keeper, Ricardo Farino, who is one of the most... Um, well known for good or for bad players in the USL. Uh, Farino seems to play the body instead of playing the ball, and we have a penalty that gets called. Yeah, very similar play to the penalty that went against um, Carl Wazinski a couple weeks ago in Portland, uh, where you know the guy just beats the keeper to the ball, and the keeper doesn't really have any time to do anything else. He's moving pretty fast, and he's going to run into the player. Pretty clear cut. Can't really argue about it. Um, you know, there were a couple other chances even before this opportunity that are probably worth mentioning. 69th minute, Kavon Freider had the ball on the left wing in a 3-on-2 opportunity. Was able to get past that, uh, I think, Huiqui on the left wing for Vegas and created a shot. Freño gets just enough to tip it off the bar, but that was really close for Freider. And then um, I don't know if he was trying to shoot or cross because he had Asante in the middle too. Uh, but then a little bit later, bad giveaway by Las Vegas. Asante gets a shot. It's saved by Farinho's on target. And then a little unlucky because there were a couple guys in good spots for the rebound. 
the ball gets parried to a Vegas defender instead. Um, but all those missed opportunities don't matter because of the penalty. And what a finish it was. Yeah, yeah, cheeky finish by Freighter. Um, and, I mean, great. I think it's great that he gets the opportunity to take it. When when I saw there was a penalty, I was I was kind of wondering if Asante was going to be taking it or who was going to step up and take it. But uh, great to see Freighter take it. I mean, great. we talked about it. You know, he needs to start scoring. And even if it comes from the penalty spot, I think it'll it'll be great for his confidence. And to, to see the celebration after, I think he, we saw that it was. So, uh, yeah, just awesome penalty. Gosh. I noted the same thing. You know, here you have Asante. Asante picks up his 11th goal of the year, uh, which you know now places him in a tie with Chris Cortez toward the top of the attacking standings uh, in the league. And uh, you know, it, look, it, it's a penalty. It's almost a guaranteed goal. Um, and Asante's the leader. He's the one wearing the captain armband, and he says, "You know, Freighter, let's get going. You've had a lot of shots tonight." Uh, you've had a lot of chances. He had one that went off the crossbar. Um, he had another nice, pl- uh, nice play in that uh, almost got to Asante's head as well. And uh, Asante says, "You earned this. Go step, t- go step up and take this shot." And it was barely a shot. <laughs> it was a chip, and it it was. Um, almost insulting. Is it was my from my perspective. Well, I love that, though, because Vegas was trying to do that kind of stuff all match, starting with the kickoff. And, you know, Farino is uh, a guy that gets under people's skin, and uh, he's the one that picks up the penalties. So just, just to insult him like that and ice the game, that was definitely fun to watch. Because I don't know if you guys saw his reaction after that goal, but he was disgusted. He was so upset grabbing that ball. He was ready to, like... Oh, man, it was great. That made it even more enjoyable. And then Freighter with the airplane celebration. It was just, it was too fun and thoroughly deserved for him and just a great way to end that match. Yeah, yeah, it was. Great way to, to ice the match, you know, to, to get through it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not something that uh, you normally see from a, a player that hasn't taken a penalty kick all season to see, a, you know, a little chip like that. But, uh, you know, great from Freighter to have the confidence and, yeah, a little jab at Vegas. I think maybe that was a little bit of payback for them trying to uh, to kick off the game without our knowledge. So, you know, they, they got what they deserved. And I will say that, that there's – I don't know if the fix was in or not. You know, it's Vegas, so we're going to talk about fixing. But uh, Sam Dorr did call uh, – Sam Dorr in the front office of, of the Phoenix Rising uh, did call it He's, uh, before the game. He said Freighter's going get, to get on the board here. And uh, Sam, I don't know if he, maybe he called Coach Chance and said, hey, uh, look, I got to look good on Twitter here. So um, can you please put in Freighter for this penalty? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, maybe he was the influence (laughs) to get Freighter that that start. And I mean, I'm sure both of them are are happy with that. I just, I hope Sam Dorr went to to Sportsbook and put down some money on that. Then he'd really be a happy guy. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Um, but what a what a fun game! It's almost something you would see more in like a football or a basketball game. Like in a football game, you know, a receiver in a corner trash talking all match or all game, and then like right at the end, the receiver catches like a touchdown to seal it. 
and then just does an insulting celebration right in the guy's face or like in basketball a guy is trash talking his opponent all game and then they just stick a three in their face to ice it so it was kind of cool to see that moment in soccer because you don't get to see that every match yeah yeah absolutely especially against a team that you know we're i think we're kind of considering our closest proximity rival so uh you know nice nice to have that so uh, we head into the 90th minute. We, we get a, uh, um, a little bit of a curtain call for Kevon Freider, who comes off. Shaft Barrera comes on. So we get a first short view. Uh, we do have eight minutes of stoppage time. I hate when we have long stoppage times. Uh, it's always a little bit nerve-wracking, but being up 2 nothing certainly uh, was, was a fine way to, to finish the match at 90-plus-8. Um, and... Phoenix Rising picking up three points in Las Vegas. Yeah, what what are you guys' thoughts on the match? I mean, it, it felt like a very comfortable, well-deserved three points. I, I was most impressed with the defense in this match and the keeping, um, you know, something we've struggled with in recent weeks. Uh, and it just, it was comfortable once we got that first goal. But what were your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I mean... You know, just echoing what you said, I mean, I really, I think the defense put in a great performance last night. Um, I mean, like I said, especially seeing, you know, Pharrell, he's he's had quite a few appearances this season, but we haven't seen him a lot. And, you know, to have a right back in Salam come in that, you know, the team's not going to be familiar with, but just come into the side seamlessly. And, um, I mean, to see them be able to get a shutout, I think that's huge. And Lubin, you know, getting those huge saves when he was tested, uh, for a goalie that, you know, hasn't been getting the starts as well. I think, you know, that's great to see that these guys, you know, they're all putting forth their best effort, even if, you know, they're not in the team sheet every single week or in the starting 11 at least. You know, they're all they're all giving their full effort right now, and I think it was, yeah, a well-deserved win. Um, I mean, I think, I really think that our defense was probably the the best part of our match. I mean, I think we just really shut down any opportunity that Las Vegas had. And then uh, the midfield and our attackers were able to just capitalize on the opportunities they created. I think going up uh, one nothing in the 10th minute definitely allowed us to play more of a defensive game. Um, we didn't we didn't quite play Bunker Bob style uh, football here, but we did play back a little bit, focused a little bit more on the runs, focused a little bit more on building from the back instead of trying to you know push 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 all uh, all the way through so i without that that 10th minute goal by uh, by asante i think we're looking at a very very different match um one that might be a little bit more risky uh especially on that narrow field and with that 10th minute goal uh i think we're looking at a very very different game than what we saw last night um but i'm very very pleased with the effort of the team. I love the look of Kevon Freider. I loved being able to see Evan Waldrop in a starting role um, and and really start moving a little bit more toward the youth uh, compared to like what we saw last season where we were focusing on big names that we brought in for folks toward the end of their career. Now we're actually seeing people who are at the start or at the prime of their careers uh, playing quality football. Yeah, yeah, it is nice to have that uh, focus on youth. 
Here's an interesting stat because I think we've mentioned it before, but I just want to like really hit this on the head. We have played uh, 11 USL away matches going since since the beginning of May. Um, in that stretch, and in every single match we've won, we've won five of those matches. In every single one of those away wins, uh, at Oklahoma City, at Tulsa Roughnecks, um, at St. Louis. Uh, and then the last two at Portland, at Las Vegas, in all of those matches, we have scored in the first 20 minutes. When we have not scored in the first 20 minutes on the road, those other matches uh, were 1-1 draw that we lost in penalties in the Open Cup. Uh, it was a 1-0 loss at Swope Park. It was a 0-0 at Sacramento, 0-0 at RGV. 4-0 loss to Fresno, 4-0 loss to Monarchs. So there's a stark difference in our results based on whether we score early or not. So, you know, thankfully we get that early goal today. It really sets the tone, and I think, especially in these away matches, we need to keep having that big emphasis on scoring early, getting on the front foot, because the numbers bear it out. There's a massive difference. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, that's something that I think that the coaching staff probably, if if that's going to be the tactic we take, they need to focus on to get out and try and catch these teams off guard early on in the match, you know, when they're at home, you know, maybe comfortable at their own, their own home field, you know, yeah, if we're able to, you know, get on the front foot early on, it seems like our team is, you know, they're able to adapt. And I mean, they can either sit back like we saw last night or push forward and get a couple more goals and uh, really take it to them. It, it's, you know, it's kind of worrying, though, as a fan, because if as it gets towards the 20th minute mark, if we're not seeing those goals, then, uh, you know, it makes you wonder how this match is going to go. So it's it's something that, you know, when it, when we're scoring early, it's it's a good stat. But when we're not, you know, it could be a not always fall in our favor. Well, yeah, we haven't. I just in the other five USL away matches, we've only scored one goal in those ones where we didn't score in the first 20. And that was an own goal. So we didn't I'll tell you, our, our friend at, uh, on, on Twitter, at Stats Rising, right? At Stats Rising, uh, must be, is, is really going to love this, this segment of the conversation. So great job, Dom. Great perspective. Yeah, and all those away matches we've won, we've scored multiple goals in all of those matches. So we've scored at least one more goal after the 20th minute. So that early goal kickstarts our attack for later in the match. Those have all been multi-goal wins. And then all the other ones where we don't score early, we're not scoring at all. And we're lucky to nick a nil-nil. It's just, it's just crazy. But um, I don't know if you guys had anything else on this match. Um, no, no. I mean, just a great, great performance, I thought. You know, a great first trip up to Vegas. Um, hopefully they can replicate it when we go back up there in October. Yeah, definitely, and hopefully at least one of us, hopefully multiple of us, will make it for that match because this one sounded like a good time. Uh, well, on that note, we have an interview with Devin Vega coming up. Uh, I did this interview with Devin on Tuesday at the Rising Soccer Complex. It's about seven minutes long, and he gives some really fun answers. Um, 
sorry to you in and out stands out there. I'm one of them. Um, he is Team Whataburger in that debate. But without further ado, let's get into the Devin Vega interview. Hi, this is Dominic Kearns here with Devin Vega. Devin, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thank you. Um, so you've been in the news lately, finally getting two big starts and really contributing in both those. What's it been like to finally get out there and help the team? Uh, that's a good feeling, um, battling with the guys that, uh, for two games. Um, coming out strong in the first game and obviously uh, disappointing with the results from last weekend, but uh, it's been a good team effort both games and uh, we're just going to keep working hard. And um, how did you stay patient when you were waiting your turn behind a lot of other quality players? Uh, when you look at our roster and we're so uh, we're so deep, we have guys that whether you start or not, we're capable of doing the starting the starting role. And I think uh, being patient in that was just you know looking forward to every practice and me knowing I have to all right, well I have to battle against these guys. They're only going to help me get better, and uh, I understood that my time was going to come, and when I got that chance, uh, I'm going to take full advantage, and uh, I'm doing it right now. You were on a very good San Antonio team last year, playing in front of your hometown fans. What intrigued you about Phoenix and got you coming out here? Uh, well, I heard about D.A. Drogba, obviously, and um, I looked up to him when I was younger, and I still do, uh, but getting that opportunity to train with him and guys like Solo and JJ uh, is a good opportunity for me, and uh, just taking whatever they can give me as far as uh, whether it's on or off the field, and, uh, I think this was the best decision I made. And a lot of people might not realize it, but you're still a teenager for a few more months. Yeah. What's it been like playing with so many older players, getting that experience? Uh, it's been good. Um, learned a lot within a few months, you know, uh, obviously training with them and um, looking up to them is one thing, but I think uh, playing with them these last two games have showed me a lot and that uh, I'm able to keep up, you know, and they've helped me so much and I think uh, I'm so thankful for them and that's also the coaching staff. How would you describe your playing style? Because, you know, seeing you out there the last couple of matches, you do great distributing the ball trying to press forward and be creative. Um, do you think you could describe it in a little more detail? Uh, well, I think as a, in the attacking midfielder as a 10 in that role, I just want to help my team any way possible. If I hear from coach, all right, well, we need somebody to press, I'm going to press, uh, try my hardest to play defense, but uh, I really love going forward. And as you can tell, uh, I'm trying to always find my guys in the best spots possible. And uh, I mean, I like to be skillful sometimes, so whether that's cutting in, out, uh, as much as I can do for the team. First match against San Antonio this season is coming up quick, uh, Wednesday the 22nd. Are you extra motivated for that one? Uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to it. And, uh, I know a lot of guys from over there too. Uh, me and Billy are here now. and Obviously playing against DDA Jogba is going to be good too for them. But I think this match, is uh, I've been waiting for it. Um, been looking forward to it. I was hoping we would play one of the first games whenever I first came here, but the time is coming real fast and I can't wait. And maybe the timing is working out because now you might be part of the lineup for that. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I'm just taking day by day and just seeing how uh, I can keep helping the team and whatever I have to do is uh, I'm going to be able to do. And now for a couple lighter questions because on our show we like to get a little bit deeper than just the regular press conference kind of stuff. So, you know, You've been used to some hot summers growing up in San Antonio. <laughs> Do you like that more than Phoenix or what? I mean, they both get hot. It's both hot, you know. Uh, just It's a different type of heat here. Um, in San Antonio, it's more humid. 
and uh, here it's just the, the sun's just always on you, which I don't know which one's better or not, but it's both hot and nothing's different. So I think uh, I don't really have an answer to that one. I think just both the same thing. Hasn't been a big adjustment then. <laughs> not really, honestly. I mean, it's not too hard. You know, uh, I was used to it last year, and coming here, it's not cold at all. So I mean, it wasn't hard to try to adjust to. And Phoenix is a fun place because you get a lot of uh, restaurants from all over the country here. Yeah. Uh, a big debate in these parts is In-N-Out versus Whataburger, and yeah. some even throw Shake Shack in there. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to go with Whataburger. Um, that's what I grew up with. In-N-Out just had came, I just tried it about a year ago, but Whataburger is my place, so I'm going to have to go with that. Have you tried In-N-Out in Arizona yet, or I, no? Yeah, I have, actually. Uh, it's still... Whataburger is better, but I mean everybody here hypes in and out, which uh, that I've seen that all over the place. But I like Whataburger. Sure. Uh, and I saw that your former teammate Ever Guzman had Whataburger cleats. Are you trying to get those in the near future? Honestly, I haven't even seen that, um, but it's good hearing about it. I mean, I, I would not wear those, obviously. Everybody's different, obviously. And if you want to wear those, that's the issue, and we go from there. All right, and. Um, What's something that people might not know about you? Maybe a fun fact. I like to go shopping a lot. I think everybody on the team knows that. But, I mean, if you want to get to know me better, it's just obviously I, like, I love going shopping. Whether it's just buying some shoes or buying some clothes. But that's one of my favorite things to do. Any stores in particular? Uh, Paxson. I don't know if you know about that. Uh, there's a few here that I found that it's like streetwear mostly, and I like doing that. So, uh, But just, I mean, H&M, Forever 21, stuff like that. And um, this is also something maybe not that many people know, but you made an appearance with the uh, U.S. national team for U17. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, it's a good experience. Um, I was um, I was playing academy with FC Dallas at the time, and uh, I had got the email of saying, "All right, well, you're invited to that camp," and I, I was my mind was blown. And it was a good opportunity playing with some of the best kids at my age in the world. Some are up in Germany, overseas, and some are still in the states. But getting that opportunity has made me so much better, and uh, I'm so thankful for that. And maybe looking long term, is that something you want to be doing? in the future getting that jersey back on yeah i've been waiting uh i mean it's always god's timing and uh whenever the time comes i'll be ready and uh, i think here i'm just trying to you know take as much as i can and just if i'm here next year i'm thankful if i'm somewhere else i just take what i learned here and just keep moving forward yeah and it, it seems like life's moved very fast for you the last couple years yeah. any advice for maybe young soccer players that are still going through the system oh uh, yeah just keep going um, that was my biggest thing i've learned heard from a lot of players that you know just never give up on your dreams and everybody knows that i think uh anything's possible and whether you're uh, you don't see the the brightest days once in a while you're gonna see the darkest and just keep pushing keep pushing through it and uh, you'll see the brighter days soon all right and last question because i've asked this to a couple people any good TV shows you're watching? Prison Break. Yeah, I've heard Prison Break. Prison Break? Yeah, Going back a little yeah, bit. I have, I, have, uh, I started it over because I had uh, stopped for a while, so I wanted to go back through it again and just try to get to know it a little bit better, but uh, that's one of my favorite shows. All right. Yes, sir. Cool, cool. Well, good talking, and uh, good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. Congrats Appreciate on getting it. in the lineup. Thank you so much. And that was our interview with Devin Vega. What a humble guy. What are you guys' thoughts on Vega as a person and as a player for us?
Uh, I mean, he's he's a great kid. I think, you know, to see, like you said, he's very humble. He appreciates the opportunities he's been given, but he hasn't, he hasn't, you know, taken advantage or not, not taken advantage of them. You know, he's worked hard the whole step of the way. He's, he's, you know, trusted in the coaching staff and in the process of just, you know, practicing consistently and having to work his way into this deep squad. And, you know, I think he understands that, you know, He's one of the younger guys, so he's going to have to earn in every single bit of playing time he gets. And when he gets it, he's going to have to, you know, perform at his highest ability. And I think these past couple matches, he really has, you know, like last night, especially we talked about it. The energy just increased so much when he came onto the field. And I think that's really what helped us close out the game, you know, was having his energy on the field and just tiring out that Vegas defense. Um, I mean, it's, it's just great to see him finally getting on the pitch. And I mean, we all know he came from San Antonio with Billy Forbes last season and our next match is San Antonio. So hopefully we get to see him on the field uh, in some sort of role. And I mean, a, a goal would be, would be great. So um, yeah, just great to hear from him. Uh, thanks again for doing the interview, man. It's it's awesome to be able to hear from all these players. Hey, man, it's just a small thing I can do. The fans deserve to get to know these guys. So, um, Aaron, what were your thoughts? Yeah, you know, uh, Vega, 19 years old, right? I mean, uh, 19 years old, five foot six. He's a smaller guy. Kind of matches that that small body lineup that we seem to run uh, with uh, Alessandro Ricci and with Asante and Awako. Um, but he plays a lot bigger than his size. When I looked, when I saw that they have him listed at five six, I was really really surprised. Plays with a ton of energy. Um, uh, he's a very, very optimistic guy. He's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, he he's always positive. He's always looking forward. He's always appreciative. Uh, very impressed with the character of this young man, uh, who's you know really so early in his career. And I'm hoping uh, to to be able to see him on our level at on our squad for quite a long time. Definitely. And, and a shout out to his parents, too. I know his parents are listening to our show because they've tagged us in a couple posts. So uh, shout out to you guys uh, for raising such a great player and great person. Um, this San Antonio match is going to be fun. And let's get right into it because we do have two matches coming up this week. The big one will be Wednesday, 7 p.m. at the Rising Soccer Complex against San Antonio. What are what so, are what are our thoughts on San Antonio this year? Well, I'll I'll say this: this is a match that they have circled on their calendar. Um, I was able to do a, a a little exchange for I believe it's oh it's the black and oh they're going to kill me now, uh, but for one of their local uh, local fan media sites, and they have this match circled and they feel that this is a big big rivalry game for them uh it was very clear in in the conversation that they're really looking at the the rising and san antonio uh, relationship um with a with a lot of rivalry and it's well earned uh they actually called called us san antonio west <laughs> uh, instead of Phoenix Rising, because we have so many ties, so many uh, former players, players in Jason Johnson, uh, Devin Vega, uh, Billy Forbes, who co- who came out of the San Antonio system, and a couple guys in Sam Dor and Vega 
who really got their careers started in San Antonio. I mean, um, I had the privilege to talk to Sam Dore in an interview last year, and you know, Sacramento or San Antonio uh, was the first like team that gave him a shot in that kind of marketing role, um, and that's where he grew a lot as a uh, you know as a person and like improved his skills uh, before coming to Phoenix Rising. And then Devin Vega from San Antonio played in their youth system, made it to the senior squad. Um, so I'm sure that if I lived in San Antonio, I'd be kind of frustrated with Rising taking a couple of those guys away. Not to mention Billy Forbes, who had a big M- impact last year. Um, then you see, you know, your team struggling a little bit this season just to stay in top eight, whereas Rising kind of takes the spot you guys were in last year, like at the top of the conference. Um, and I, I can definitely see the intensity from their side. But I think I think we uh, have a lot of frustration going into this match too. I think this really has the makings of a great rivalry because, um, you know, the two matches we played against San Antonio last year, you could argue we were very unlucky to lose both of those. We lose both of them 1-0. And the, especially the match in Phoenix, um, a match we were dominating. Restrepo made three incredible saves, and then they get a terrible penalty kick call. I mean, there's no objective way to say that that was the correct call. It was atrocious. And they get that goal and absolutely steal a game. Um, you know, one of one of the most unfair results I've ever seen in my life as a soccer fan. And so now this is our first chance to play them in 12 months. So I think not just for the guys that were in San Antonio, but I think for everyone that was on the squad last year too, they're going to be feeling fired up for this. Even Jason Johnson has experience in San Antonio. So... It's going to be a big match for sure. Yeah, yeah, that it is, and it, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm thankful that it's fallen on a Wednesday, which means it's, it's Dollar Beer Night. So you know, we all know our Dollar Beer Night record is, is great. So I think we can continue that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a huge match. Going back to that match from last season, Dominic, that was, that was a heartbreaking loss for us, and. Um, I mean, it's going to be one that I think a lot of the fans will remember and will hope to hope to erase those memories with some good ones on Wednesday. And I think that I think that, you know, coming off this two nil win, we showed that we're able to grind out some results. I think we're going to need we're going to need to see more against the San Antonio team. They're definitely a tougher opponent than Las Vegas. Um, Their current form has been, you know, pretty good. So we're going to have to have to start strong like we've talked about but i i think we have a really great chance in this match yeah and you know players to watch you know they have cardone as a capable keeper but you have to imagine diego restrepo gets the start in net um ever guzman is a very much an impact sub that can come in and make a difference he's scored some nice goals for them uh mickey lopez as an attacking midfielder he's kind of stepped into the role that Maybe Vega had for them last season, uh, getting some assists, uh, getting a couple highlight goals. Um, But, I mean, they don't have a lot of big names in the back, which is kind of interesting. Last year they were so good in defense, um, and they they haven't had that same kind of defensive success this season. They actually come into this match losing their last two, uh, to Sounders 2 and to Timbers 2. Those are both away matches. So, 
this will be their third consecutive away match. Um, but this is a very important match for San Antonio. They're just clinging to that eighth spot in the Western Conference. And by the time you guys are listening to this, they might not even be in that eighth spot because Swope Park plays this afternoon. So a lot on the line, a lot at stake for San Antonio here. Um, and this is the first of two matches we will play in the next two weeks. I think this match has a chance to be a little bit cathartic for uh, both teams. Uh, here we are, we're at match uh, 25, and it's our first chance to play uh, to play against each other. I don't know how that happens on the schedule that we're so deep into the season and we haven't seen each other once. Um, I think that they're frustrated with our use of Billy Forbes because they loved him so much and Billy hasn't gotten the playing time here that he, he once got there. And maybe they think that if, if he was still there that they wouldn't be uh, um, sort of in this middling, uh, middling piece of the standings where really whether they're, they're above or below the line depends on other teams and how other teams are playing rather than uh, controlling their own destiny. So I think it has a chance to be a little bit cathartic here. Maybe Billy gets the start on here uh, on the game and is able to play well against his former teammates. Um, I, I don't know. It, I think this has a little bit of a trap game feel for me, uh, simply because we're playing you know three games in in a short period of time. But also the raw emotion of of the relationship between the two teams uh, has has a chance to to give this a really disti- a, a very distinct feel. Yeah, I agree. Um, Kyle, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I know you were at the match here last season, and have we've talked about San Antonio more than a lot of other teams in the Western Conference this year. So what are your thoughts on this match? I mean, yeah, I think it is, it's going to be a very tight match. Um, I think it'll probably come down to, to one or two plays. Uh, it's, I mean, it's going to be emotional. That's, there's no doubt about that. I think there's going to be emotion on both sides. Um, it will be very interesting to see who is in our starting 11. If we do end up starting Vega and Billy Forbes, um, and Jason Johnson, possibly all three, even, you know, you never know. So I will be really interested. Um, I mean, another thing that I'm going to be interested is the Drogba situation. Do we do, because we didn't see him even make the trip to Vegas. So do we see him, you know, on the on the team sheet? Do we see him in the 11? That's pretty unlikely considering he hasn't even seen the field yet. So um, it's, you know, it's something to look forward to. I think there's it's going to be really tense early on in this match for sure. And um, I'm just hoping that Phoenix is able to, like we said, go out and get that early goal because that seems to be, you know, our, our surefire way to, to clinching some points. So... Um, but yeah, it is going to be tight. San Antonio definitely does not have the as strong of a defense as they had last year. But I mean, I think there's, like you said, their goalkeeping is still strong no matter what goalie's in. So, uh, you know, if, if Restrepo decides to have another night where he stands on his head, it could be a really long match. Yeah. And going to the Drogba thing, I, yeah, I don't think we can expect him to start at all. Um, I do think he will make the 18-man roster. Um, And so if it's a close match, if it's a tie match going in the last 20 minutes, I could definitely see him getting a substitute appearance those last 15, 20 minutes. 
I would expect Cortez to get back into the starting 11. Maybe that's why they saved him, um, so that his big presence could lead to a goal. Um, I think Vega will get the start. I'm not sure about Billy Forbes. I think Vega only playing 25 minutes this week um, sets up well for this match against San Antonio. Another thing to talk about is Owako's three-match suspension ended with the Las Vegas match. So he's going to be back in the lineup. Um, I believe uh, Kavon Lambert got a suspension, and he'll be back, right? Or, or no, Kavon Lambert was in. No, he, he played last. Yeah, the, he came back last night. Right. Who was suspended for the Las Vegas match? Blair Gavin, the coach. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, because he was sent off in the OC. Yeah. Yeah. OC. Okay. Okay, so he will be back. Okay. Um, well, in any case, we have a couple more options here. And this is an interesting question. I don't know if we'll get it in supporter section questions, but I don't I don't want Owako to start this match. I'd rather have Vega start this match because I think we need someone who can bring pace that can open San Antonio up. I think there are matches that suit Owako well, but I think against this team, we need someone that's a little bit more creative, a little bit more fast-paced and dynamic. Dynamic. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I agree. Yeah, no, you're dead on with that, I think. Especially given that Vega's been playing so frequently and so well. You know, he, we, we've been seeing him get on the field in the past three to four matches. So I think that getting a start, especially against, you know, his old club, I think that he's going to be motivated more than ever. There's going to be a lot of eyes on him. So I think that he'll definitely step up because, I mean, we've seen so far he is a very mature young man, and um, I think this will be a huge step for him in his his career. So, yeah, I definitely would – I'd be disappointed to see Iwako start. Not that Iwako has not been playing well, um, just that I think Vega has earned this opportunity, and it's – you know, I think it's a great opportunity for him as an individual. So – and, I mean, like you said, I think he matches up well against the San Antonio team, and it's a team that he will be very familiar with. So that could be another advantage for, for Phoenix. I definitely do agree. I, I really don't have much more to add in that in that area, but um, I like Awako a lot, but I like what I've been seeing from others more. Yeah, well put. Right. It is good to have options. So I think we spent more time than we were planning on with this San Antonio preview Dare we give any match predictions, or are we just going to bite our tongues so that we don't jinx anything? Oh, what fun is that? That's not any fun. Um, <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I, mm, I can see a 2-1 win for Phoenix, but I will say a draw is not going to be a bad result. In the grand scheme of things, I think... I think getting a point in this game is fine for Phoenix. Um, Sacramento lost twice in the past week, and you know, so they're two games down and still a point below us. So I think that's going to be huge. Um, but I mean, I see a two-one for Phoenix, but I again, I don't think a draw is going to, you know, be a be a hard result for us to uh, to accept. Let's see, Wednesday match at home, dollar beer night. Um, I'm saying four one Phoenix. Wow. wow, 
<laughs> we roll on dollar beer night again. I like it, Aaron. <laughs> from from the guy who said we were going to draw Vegas, that is that is a shift. <laughs> I, I guess I'm a big believer in home field advantage. I don't know. I, that state, I think, you know, if we can pull a full stadium uh, like we usually do uh, on dollar beer night, I mean, I would be surprised if there's supporter seats still available by the time that, that, that the, the podcast goes up. Um, I think we, we create a hell of an environment. So, um, yeah, I, I'm hoping that, that my blood pressure – three early goals to save my blood pressure uh i don't think your blood pressure will be saved i think this is going to be a very tight very intense nil nil a halftime match and i think we eke this one out one nil with a late goal okay um but i would not be surprised if it's a draw or if it goes the other way i think this is more than any other dollar beer night, the match where that streak is in serious jeopardy. But I think the magic of dollar beer night and of our supporter section just going insane, uh, I think it'll just push us over the line. But it'll be a gritty, all hands on deck, 1 0 win. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, and I, it is going to be gritty. I, I agree with that completely. I mean, we talked about all the emotion and everything behind the scenes that's going into this game and I think when when we they get out there on the field we're going to see we're going to see it all play out but um yeah, yeah I think the home support you know I think you know we're going to have that you know liquid courage from the dollar bud lights and everyone's going to be fired up so I think that uh we'll definitely be able to cheer the boys on to victory and in our in the other match of the week we are obligated to give a brief preview for this one it is against Colorado Springs um, the big story in this one is how early are we going to have to get there for the bobblehead? Uh, <laughs> I would expect at least 30 minutes. Um, I'm sorry if there are any Colorado Springs fans that are listening. I don't mean to completely take a dump on your team, but they're kind of taking a dump on the season in recent weeks. It's been four straight losses for them. Uh, they've lost to, well, no, I take that back. They beat OKC Energy, but previously they had lost three of their four matches they have lost to RGV Toros and Tulsa Roughnecks in that stretch. Um, you know, a lot of one-goal losses, a lot of tough ones, but it it's looking bleak for them to make playoffs. They have a plus-four goal differential, but um, I think they've already played 26 matches this season, and they are in 12th place. So the math just doesn't add up for them unless they win out. Um you know they're they're a hard playing team. They have some guys that are capable. Um, Ajaqua is on their squad. He's capable of some things. Um, you're gonna see Shane Malcolm. He's capable of putting in a couple nice goals. Uh, Uchena Uzo's younger brother, Tobena Uzo, he is on this squad as well. So maybe we'll see him start. But um, oh, and another guy, Sam Hamilton from last season. We might see him in the starting eleven. So they play hard, but. I, this should be a win. I would I would be very surprised if this is even a close match with 20 minutes left. Yeah, this should be even even if well we know we'll have a touch tough match midweek with San Antonio, but I think that you know we should be able to get a result from this. I think we'll probably see um, some of the guys that we saw Saturday. You know, maybe Evan Waldrip gets another start in this match. Um, I could see Colin Fernandez as well. 
starting in this match, and maybe even Kevon Freider. Um, he came from Colorado Springs, so you know maybe Cortez starts Wednesday and Freider starts Saturday. I think we'll see a bit of rotation, but yeah, we shouldn't be a problem getting a win. Um, Colorado Springs has been one of those teams. They are a tough team to play, but I think that I think that we're just going to have too much for them. I don't think they'll be able to, uh, you know, our, to stop our goal scorer's ability. Um, so yeah, I think that you know we're able to get maybe a two. 3-0 victory in this match so uh shouldn't be shouldn't be too uh too difficult for us but yeah i think you'll definitely have to get there early to get those uh bobbleheads dominic <laughs> they're gonna be a hot ticket it's uh it's interesting i think that they chose this match as one that you know maybe it's not gonna sell the most tickets but this will be a way to get people there for sure it'll be a good draw you know the fatigue of three games in a week uh, or in eight days anyway is a little bit difficult. Uh, I, I think I, I have a little bit more concern over this game than you guys do. Uh, Colorado Springs comes in, uh, two wins, four losses. They did lose. They, they split in their past six games with Tulsa. Um, you know, anytime you lose to Tulsa, you lose to RGV. Um, that's always that's not necessarily a sign that your your team is going in the right direction. But our problem has been playing down. Uh, we, we, we do have a problem playing down to our opponent. Uh, we have gotten, when we got caught in RG, uh, uh, against RG, RGV, look, they play tough at, at home. They were, I think at that point they were undefeated at home, uh, but they didn't have a single win. Everything was draws, and drawing against zero zero against RGV, even in their own house, was a huge surprise to me. So, uh, I have a little bit more concern that fatigue is going to play play a little bit of a role. So, what's going to be the most interesting to me is what lineup are we going to be setting for San Antonio, because that's going to end up determining our potential for success against Colorado Springs. Yeah, and I, I think there's a lot of rotation in store for the Colorado Spring match. This might be the match where Drogba actually gets his first start um, in some time. So that could end up being a draw for this match as well. But, you know, I would rather see a Waco in this kind of match. And, you know, some of the guys that don't get to see a lot of playing time in this match. Um, because I, the thing is, you say that we played down. I think that's more of a concern on the road. I think at home, we take care of these teams we should beat. You look at our score against Oklahoma City... You look at our, our Tulsa and Las Vegas home wins. Los Dos, that's the only one that comes to mind where we had to sweat it out against a bad team at home. Um, so I, I feel pretty good about this. I think maybe 2-0. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we definitely need to proceed with caution. I mean, fatigue is no doubt going to be an issue um, playing, you know, all these games in warm temperatures, you know, and in such a short span. But we have a deep squad, and... Um, like you said, I think Drogba getting the start could be a really big influence on this match. You know, he's he's one of those that he could, you know, create uh, two goals himself, you know, just out of two moments of brilliance. So um, I think that this match will, you know, it'll really be, it won't be as tight. You know, it'll be more open than the San Antonio match. But, I mean, we can't write Colorado Springs off. Aaron's right. They are a solid team. You know, they're they're able to pull out results. And you know, in years past, they've you know been been tough for us. So I think uh, I think that we should proceed with caution. But I think ultimately, Phoenix is able to get the win. Right. 
And with that being said, let's go to other USL scores and standings. So, you know, not too much going on around the league. There were some interesting matches. Actually, a couple interesting matches coming today. Um, you know, one big one that comes to mind is Swope Park and Reno. Uh, two teams that have not played a lot lately um, and haven't been picking up points at all lately. So something's got to give there. Um, you know, for Reno, it's only their third match since July 11th. That's nuts. Um, I mean, it kind of helps us because we passed them, but um, weird to see there. And then Timbers 2 should probably beat Sounders 2. As far as matches that happened, we have OKC with a 4-2 win over RJV. That puts them only two points behind San Antonio, which is crazy considering how abysmal their start to the season was. I still don't think they have enough time left to get top eight. They've already played 26 matches. The math isn't looking good. But just to see that, it's pretty impressive. Fresno gets a 1-0 over St. Louis. Um, big win for them, keeps them alive. Tough one for St. Louis. Um, and you got to check this goal out. Zachary Ellis Hayden, a defender with a rocket of a goal in the 33rd minute, gives Fresno the win. You talk about bangers only. This shot was from about 30 yards out off the left post and in. Um, cool to see that, especially from a guy who doesn't score every game. Monarchs were taken to the wire by Tulsa Roughnecks yesterday at home. Um, everything looks comfortable when Chandler Hoffman scores too early, but Tulsa drew them with two second-half goals, and it took an 86th-minute penalty from Justin Portillo to get that win. That's a team that I don't know how they even struggled, but they still get the three points. And then the one match that really raises eyebrows, and it's a good one for us, Sacramento Republic 1, Los Dos 4. It was goals, four first half goals from Los Dos. Uh, Miguel Aguilar, Ethan Zubak, um, Angola in the 25th, and Frank Lopez in the 41st. They've done this to a few teams just at random points this season. They absolutely blitzed Orange County in an away match there. They, they put a few on us early. Um, and now Sacramento, the latest victim. Yeah, yeah. I had to I had to do a double take when I saw that result, you know, so early on to see LA up over Sacramento. But um it seems like Sacramento's, you know, having some struggles right now as far as with their defense and conceding goals and um you know, I mean for LA we've seen they're a young team with a lot of promise and I think in the next uh, year or two, you know, they're going to be a top, you know, USL two team. And, you know, they'll be back in that playoff hunt because they're really showing that they're developing some good guys. Um, I mean, that I say that as long as, you know, the Galaxy first team doesn't, you know, call all them up. But um, I, I really like what I'm seeing out of them. You know, Frank Lopez and Ifrin Al Alvarez, especially, I think both of them are bright spots for the Galaxy Academy. Um, but I mean, huge result for Phoenix, like you said, you know, seeing seeing Sacramento drop two matches this week and, you know, gain no points on us, that'll help a lot when it uh, comes down to the end of the season. Yeah, any any thoughts, Aaron, on any of those Western Conference matches? Sorry. Um, 
my biggest focus is everybody that's above us and below you know below us I, I don't think that we have any chance to to catch up on on the monarchs um at this point so any of those uh folks below the line who can beat up on a sacramento uh, republic or um treat portland timbers too like portland timbers is supposed to be playing i mean they've been kind of playing out of their out of their mind uh so far this season so i'm, I'm really hoping that um uh, we can continue to move up the standings and not have so much downward pressure uh, so that we can have some home games here. Right, and that's why those two matches later today are worth keeping an eye on. Um, I'll run down the standings right now um, because, you know, if Reno and Timbers 2 both win, they will be on our heels. Right now it's Real Monarchs at 50 points, Orange County at 47 points, we have a match in hand on Orange County uh, at 44 points. Uh, but remember, the first tiebreaker is wins. And so the second tiebreaker would then be goal differential. So if we take care of that match in hand, it'll be same number of points, same number of wins. And then it'll come down to goal differential, which we are currently losing in. There's still a lot of time to change that, though. Let's keep an eye on that Orange County-Phoenix Rising battle for second. In fourth place, we have Sacramento Republic on 43 points. They have already played 26 matches, though. So I would not expect them to stay top four at the end of the season. Because in fifth, you have Timbers 2 at 39. Uh, they've, they have a match in hand. They'll probably beat Sounders 2 and get up to 42 points by the time you're listening. Uh, in sixth place, we have Reno at 37, but only 22 matches played. That is something to watch, too, because they're in sixth right now. They can easily jump into top four if they take care of business in those matches. In seventh place, St. Louis at 35. In eighth place, San Antonio with 34 points, only 23 matches played. Um, this real 7 through 11 crowd is super fascinating. In ninth, we have Swill Park on 33 points. They have a big match against Reno. Um, you know, big for both teams. Tenth place is Fresno, also on 33 points, but they've played 26 matches. Eleventh, OKC Energy, 32 points from 26 matches, and twelfth, Colorado Springs, with 31 points from 26 matches. Everyone below that doesn't have much of a shot. You know, just to give you the remaining teams, uh, Los Dos in 13th with 26 points, Vegas in 14th with 26 points, uh, RGV with 20 points, and then Sounders 2 and Tulsa rounded out. What are your thoughts on that like back-end uh, group for the playoffs? Because it's, it's looking like it's going to be quite a battle. Yeah, it is. It's going to, I think it's really going to come down to those last couple weeks of the season. It's going to be a tight race and, um, you know, it's, Right now, I think San Antonio's the team that in that number eight spot that uh, I actually like them playing Monarchs in that first round. If the season were to end today, I'd like that matchup. I think that San Antonio would have a good chance against Monarchs. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think that the team that I really see getting up there is, uh, you know, I think San Antonio is going to stay where they are. Actually, you know, I don't really see a change. I think that. Fresno has kind of run 
amount of matches. They already have 26 matches played. I just wonder if Swope is going to be able to turn it around. But, I mean, the way it looks right now, I think that this this top eight is probably who we end up seeing go into the postseason. And, and I think the biggest battle there in that top eight, because you kind of figure that San Antonio is going to figure its stuff out and make it, but that battle between St. Louis and Swope, I don't think there's any way both those teams get in, and you're most likely looking at one team in, one team out. Uh, now I'm curious to see, because that's kind of a rivalry, uh, St. Louis and Kansas City. They do have another match this season. They have a big match on September 15th. That's a that's a six-pointer right there. Um, I would expect a ton of St. Louis fans to make that trip. That could very well decide who gets in, who doesn't. Because, um, you know, St. Louis has shown something to get back in top eight, but you can never count Swell Park out. This is shaping up to be pretty interesting. And, you know, probably not enough time for OKC, but kudos to them. I mean, they had a terrible start to this season. A terrible start. I think they were, you know, after winning their first match, they lost like six matches in a row or something. It was a brutal start. And just to even be in this conversation is completely unforeseeable to me. If you if you had told me in May they'd be two points out of eighth place, I don't know what I would have done. I would have laughed in your face or something. I mean... They are in this, and they play Sounders 2 at home next Saturday. It's not inconceivable. No, it's not. And, I mean, they've pulled off huge results, you know. To win against Monarchs, that is a huge win to be able to get that win. So, I mean, they definitely have turned it around, like you said. When we when we faced them both games early on in the season, It you know, it seemed like we just, you know, we took it to them, and, you know, it was just brutal. So, to see them able to get a turnaround in their form and start scoring some goals finally. I think, you know, great for the OKC fan base and the team itself. And, yeah, I mean, they do have a chance, like you said. I mean, but I I mean, they're going to have to, you know, really, really turn it on and get some big wins coming up. And let's let's send some of our good energy their way because they still have matches against Orange County and Real Monarchs and Sac Republic. Uh, before the end of the season so yeah we'll definitely be pulling for them in a few of those absolutely any anything else striking about this the standings as they are uh, no not really for me i think they're you know they're starting to shape out i think kind of how we saw it um you know when we did the preseason preview um the one team i think that's going to keep rising is Reno. I think Reno is going to keep working their way up the, the rankings. You know, they've really shown, um, you know, that they can turn it on. And I, uh, I'm really going to be looking forward to that Swope Reno match this afternoon, be pulling for Swope to, uh, to pull off that win. I'm just super appreciative that we're not sitting on the line like we were last year. Um, it, it, it hurts my heart, you know, uh, we're sitting a little bit more comfortably here, but I, I'm totally in agreement with Kyle. I think Reno is probably a huge threat to move uh, actually into the top four. They've had uh, some bad luck, but they've also had some great form. And, you know, we got three, uh, um, they're, 
they have three games in hand on us. I mean, nine points puts them right right at us, or the chance for nine points puts them right at us. So uh, I think Reno is the team to watch in where they're going to be f- be finishing in the standings. Yeah, definitely, and and I I would expect San- Sacramento, kind of like last year, to drop a little bit. Um, already playing twenty six matches and. Looks like their best run of form already happened this season. So, well, with all that being said, I think we can go to supporters section. I don't think we have too much this week, um, and then we can wrap it up. But we do have, we do have at least one response to our supporter section, and this one comes from Saul, um, from Justin Viber. Uh, this one from him says. Give me one second here. Can we admit that Solomon Asante is one of the greatest things to happen to us? Absolutely. I mean, I think I think everyone uh, associated with the club would agree with that. Um, I mean, he's he's just stepped up time and time again. And I mean, if you look at at you know the matches he's been able to win for us, or you know create the opportunity with assists for us to get the goals to win. I mean, it's we would be a completely different team without Solomon Asante. I think there's there's no doubt about that. So um, yeah, I mean he's he you know we can still thank Patrice Carterone for bringing him in because you know we're able to still uh, reap the benefits of that and hopefully Asante decides to stay here for uh, years to come. He's got an incredible soccer IQ. He's got a great eye. Um, really, the the talent that's that he's able to demonstrate is just fantastic and uh the skill he shows on the ball uh is is a really a lesson to be learned for any of the young players that are out there uh that size really has no relation to potential for success in this league or in this game i mean Lionel messi is five foot seven and look at all the stuff he does i mean um yeah he is he is something else uh, the magic that Asante brings to the pitch every time he gets out there. Uh, it's a joy. It is a joy to watch. Um, and, you know, it's funny we're talking about Asante. My girlfriend is not the biggest soccer fan, but um, she said after Asante scored that goal, you know, I really like him. He's the hardest working guy out there. And, you know, that, that kind of got a lot of traction on Twitter. I think it's easy to see with a guy like Solomon because he's so small everyone's you know thinking oh what kind of an impact is he gonna make and he makes so much of an impact even getting up there for headers like he did yesterday to set up that goal um you know it's one thing to just appreciate his skills but there are guys that have skills and then they aren't tracking back on defense they aren't winning the ball they aren't working hard in all facets and Asante really does so uh, that's the easiest question we've ever had to answer on here. <laughs> yes, Asante has been amazing. Um, we just got another question from PRFC Fan Show. Uh, does Didier Drogba rest Asante as captain on Wednesday and then Solomon returns on Saturday? I think they're saying, like, does Drogba replace Asante? Uh, and then Solomon comes back. We kind of discussed this. There's no way that you sit Asante on Wednesday, right? Well, no, and I, I don't, 
I mean, the way that we talked about it and the way that, that I've been seeing our formation, Asante has been playing out wide, you know, on the wing. Um, so, and Drogba would be in the middle. So I think there's room to have both of them on the field at the same time. And I think that would probably lead to our best attacking opportunities because, you know, they're both, you know, great opportunity creators and goal scorers. So um, I, I don't think that Drogba comes on and Asante goes off. I think when Drogba is on, he has the captain's armband. Um, but honestly, I would not be surprised to see Asante keep it because he has been the mainstay all season in this team. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to get used to life without Drogba. So what better way to uh, to do that than to can you continue to keep Asante as captain? But no, I think I think they both play uh, maybe not Wednesday, but on Saturday. I'm going to give a little contrary point to, to that, Kyle. I don't think that Drogba gets the armband. Um, and I think that that's a little bit more what the question might be asking. I don't know. Um, I don't think that you can pull an armband off of somebody who scored uh, you know, four goals in, in two games and has shown the passion that, that Asante has and, and leadership, um, especially for somebody who hasn't stepped on a field. So, I mean... Drogba comes in. If Drogba comes in, he's gonna he's coming in uh, to to sub off Cortez probably. Solomon's staying on the field the whole time, and that armband belongs to him, in my opinion, for the rest of the season. Oh, a hundred ten percent agree. He's been there from start to finish, and I think, I think his energy is contagious to the point where you don't even have to be the biggest soccer fan. You don't even have to live and breathe this stuff to see it. I think it's so obvious that anyone can see how hard he works, how much of a leader he is out there. Um, I would I would say at this point, you know, words and actions. Um, and how, how do you take that away from Solomon at this point? I mean, if, if anything, that would create more controversy than just leaving it with him because he's totally deserved it. Um, does that mean we want Drogba to... Uh, you know, not succeed, or does that mean like we don't think he's worthy of the armband? No, it's just that Asante has proven it every single day this season, and so for that, I, I think, regardless of you know when Drogba comes back in the lineup, I think it is Asante's team right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, he's been he's been our leader, um, no, no doubt, all season long, and I think. Uh, last night, especially after the match, I saw him having words with with the Phoenix Rising players and um, talking to them. And he's definitely stepped up, I think, as a leader, um, not only you know leading on the field but vocally as well. So, um, yeah, he's definitely he's no doubt the captain. And I don't, I I agree. I mean, I don't think I think it, it's it would be very interesting if that did happen. I mean, it would surely just be out of respect to Drogba. But um, yeah, Asante is is our captain currently and he should be going forward yeah and um that will do it for supporter section uh questions i think we can wrap this thing up with a nice little closing thoughts from each of us what are your guys' thoughts after this win Uh, just, I mean, a great win. I mean, it was the performance that I'd hoped that that we would see. Um, a bit of rotation and as far as, you know, the starting 11 of the squad. But I think that we saw a great effort from from everyone. 
um, Asante, you know, was able to do his usual, you know, magic and to get us that goal. And, um, you know, great, but great to see the defense stand strong. And, you know, they kept us in the match when it was tight. And then Freighter be able to pick up that, uh, that last penalty kick and just great all around performance. I think that, you know, for me, uh, one of the biggest, you know, pieces of news this week is, um, Alessandro Rigi being injured and out for the rest of the season. Um, that's, that's really going to be a tough, I mean, it's, it already is a tough pill to swallow cause we have to now, but, uh, it's, I mean, it's going to be, we're going to miss him a lot and it sucks because it's two years now that he's had knee injuries that have taken him out for the rest of the season. And, um, I'm really bummed for that, but you know, we got, I think that was a major factor in us signing shaft brewer. You know, we have, a new attacker now, and I think that adding these three loanies is is going to be crucial going forward. So, uh, you know, just keep on doing what we've been doing and rising up the uh, the rankings. Yeah, I'm 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 right there with you. Uh, this week is not going to be good for my uh, heart health. Uh, I think uh, a lot of about the next week makes me very nervous. Um, but we have the talent. We got the people. Um, certainly the addition of Schaff Brewer was a very clear message that uh, Rigi was going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, we signed him up before they announced that Rigi's, uh, Rigi had an ACL injury. We don't know if it's terror or, or, or what it is, but it's not pretty. Um, so it'll be good to have Brewer to be able to come on, and it's going to be very interesting to see if he makes uh, even the even the 18 um you know, like how many games he's going to make the 18 here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, um, it'll be fun to watch all of those loan signings, see what kind of impact they have. I just think this team is rounding into form at the right time. Everything is starting to come into place. Um, they've shown good fight even in losses recently. And now you're going to have Drago back soon, probably in one of the matches this week. Um you know, the San Antonio match is going to be probably the first match this year. I mean, I mean, there have been a couple that have been intense, but I think this is the one where it's really going to feel like playoff intensity. And I, I can't wait to see how everyone responds to that, uh, to see how they fight and play through those 90 minutes um, in a match where San Antonio is going to be treating it like a playoff match. So that will be really exciting. And I think there's just a lot to look forward to. And what the loan signings signify to me is that this front office, they know that they already have a good team, but good isn't good enough. They want to be the best in USL this year, and they are uncovering every stone, turning over every rock, doing whatever it takes to get that little edge that can lift us over the top. You know, in the playoffs, those margins are so small, and... Maybe we were just one or two pieces away from beating Swope and then winning the whole Western Conference last year. We don't want to have that repeat again, and I I love it. I think those are you know high upside, no downside pickups, and they could make the difference in October, November when playoffs roll around. Well, unless you guys have anything else, I think that'll do it. Anything else from you guys? Good to go. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Two two matches to enjoy this week. You know, let's uh, let's get out there and support the rising. All right. Well, as always, 
Thank you for listening, and go rising. Go rising. Hi, this is Dominic. On Friday before the Las Vegas match, I had the pleasure to talk with Thomas Viola of the Las Vegas Sports Betting Hour. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at uh, TV at work uh, for anything Las Vegas related. And they also have a weekly show that I was on on Friday. So we'll throw in some of that audio at the end just because why not. And uh, I'll have you guys know I did predict a rising win. It was 2-1 in my prediction, so maybe I undersold us, but here it is. And welcome back to the Las Vegas Soccer Betting Hour. We're here in the home stretch, and we're getting ready for tonight's game between the lights and Phoenix Rising. We have Dominic Kern from Phoenix on the line. Dominic, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty great. Uh, day before game night, and uh, it's going to be a fun one, Phoenix versus Vegas. First time that Phoenix Rising is going up to Las Vegas. And I know a lot of fans are making the trip, so it should be very fun. Now, you are the co-founder of Rising Pod, of Phoenix Rising Podcast. Are you guys on the Beautiful Game Network? Yes, we are. Awesome. Gotta love all the work that they do over there. They, of course, are also a host for us here on the Soccer Betting Hour. But as you said, first time for Phoenix down at Cashman Field in Vegas. Uh, last last time last time these teams faced off uh, did not go so well for us here in Vegas. It was a four nothing defeat uh, that you guys you guys took at home. Uh, you guys took the victory at home, I should say. Um, hoping for similar results on the road. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, this is going to be a really strange match. You know, I don't know how many listeners follow college football, but this has all the makings of one of those Pac-12 after dark kind of games where a team comes in, they're favored, they should take care of business, and then they get upset. Um, do I think that's going to happen? Not necessarily, but I think this is a much tougher match than some Phoenix Rising fans are giving it credit for. Now, the big, I think the big thing that we're looking at down here in Vegas right now, do you think Drogba's going to make, uh, make his way down, or do you think he's going to stay on the bench or even stay home this weekend? You know, I would expect Drogba to travel with the team. Uh, I would not expect him to start, and I wouldn't really expect him to play. It's possible that he could maybe get 10, 15 minutes at the end of this match. Uh, something that a lot of people don't know, he only plays on grass fields unless it's playoffs. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you guys do have a grass field, so it's possible that he could be, you know, making an appearance at the end of this match. He did just start training less than two weeks ago, so he definitely won't be starting. And I don't think he's going to play because Phoenix has a midweek home match against San Antonio. I think I think the team's going to save him from that. Would, would make sense, understandably. I mean, also looking at the standings, and San Antonio is clipping on their heels a little bit. But your last time out, it was a tough one. It was a 4-3 loss in a barn burner uh, to Orange County, who then promptly defeated us uh, in our last match as well. So, uh, what 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 happened? What happened in that game? What was it that you saw there between two teams that really could be a matchup of the Western Conference Finals? Yeah, I mean the series there between Phoenix and Orange County has always been intense. There have always been tremendous rivalries between those teams, and usually those matches are always coming down to the wire. Uh, a lot of times it's ended in a draw. 
earlier this season, we eked out a one-goal victory, and then they returned the favor. Um, it was just some shaky defending, and I don't expect that to repeat itself this weekend. There were several plays where guys did not press shooters, and Orange County has quality finishers that you know can convert those opportunities. But I think conceding four goals was very harsh. Uh, there was one penalty kick that really just was undeserved. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how it happened. Solomon Asante tried to lead the comeback, but it wasn't enough. Now, you talk, you talk about the defensive lapses that uh, just got taken advantage of by the Orange County strikers. Las Vegas' striking core has been a mixed bag, to say the least, so far this year. Sammy Ochoa struggled to get going, but then he was scoring a couple goals, and now they had they brought in some reinforcements in Raul Mendiola, Omar Salgado. Matt Thomas is back from injury. Uh, do you think that this striking core can give the Phoenix defense a little bit of trouble? You know, I think they're good for a goal, maybe two. I don't think you're going to see Vegas put big numbers up on this defense. And I think it's more because of Phoenix than anything that Las Vegas will bring to the table. Phoenix this season has always responded well following defeats. Um, credit the players, credit the coaching staff. Uh, if there is a bad effort, and we've seen some bad efforts lately, uh, they always bounce back, find a way to uh, put together a much stronger performance. And uh, I really don't see the defense conceding. We also have made a couple midweek uh, loan additions, too, including, um, I forget the first name, but his last name is Blackman. I think uh, Trevor Blackman was the number three draft pick by LASD in the MLS draft this year. He will be eligible to play for us. Uh, we also made another signing, a loan signing from New York City FC, and he is also eligible to play for us. So with all that being considered, maybe Vegas can get a goal or two, but I don't see big numbers in in play. Now, one of the biggest advantages that uh, Vegas has had at home this season, one could argue, has been this team is used to training out in this heat every day, and kickoff time is going to be 104 degrees, but for Phoenix, that shouldn't really be a prop problem, should it? No, I mean, it's it's uh, kind of like 1A and 1B. Uh, our cities are very similar in the summertime. Uh, both have that same dry heat going on, so I don't think fitness is an issue. If anything, what could be an issue is the size of that field up in Cashman. It's a very narrow field, and Phoenix Rising loves to attack up the wings. Guys like Solomon Asante, Jason Johnson when he's in, Billy Forbes will be eligible to play this week. We love to get those attacks going up the wings. And with that very narrow field, that's the one thing that scares me about this match. It is something that you hear often about. I, I know uh, one of the other interns uh, over at the Lights was talking with a guy from Rio Grande when the Toros were here. And he explained that the two toughest parts about playing here in Vegas are the heat and that narrow field that really helps condense the game, which plays really uh, much better into the hands of the Las Vegas center backs. They like to play with three in the back with uh, Rodrigo Inigo, Miguel Garduño, and O.L. Wiki. Of course, Wiki will be back this week, but Garduño out with a yellow, uh, out with a red card suspension for violent conduct two matches ago. Eh, questionable decision by the USL, some might argue, but it is what it is. 
And th- this team's this team's strength in their center backs is really that they have the big hulking guys who can outmuscle someone to the ball, and it can play to their advantage to not have to worry as much about the wing play. Do you think that Phoenix will be able to take advantage up the middle, even though uh, they like to play more on the wings? You know, it's honestly a fair question. Um, you know, there have been matches away from home where we've gotten that early goal, and once we get that early goal, we can build off of that. We get confident moving forward, and we can pass it up the middle. But I feel like there have also been matches where we don't get that early goal. You know, a couple guys miss those key opportunities. That gives the defense confidence, and then they can lock it down as the match goes on. I mean, a classic example of that would be our 4-0 loss in Fresno last month, um, where there were some quality chances we couldn't convert, and then that just gives Fresno all the confidence, and they build off of that. So, you know, I think the guy to watch from perspective will be Chris Cortez. He has 11 goals this season for Phoenix Rising, but he's really a Jekyll and Hyde striker. When he's on, he is on. He hit some great goals. Um, There was a match in St. Louis where he set the tone with a long strike, put us ahead. But if he's off, this match is there for the taking. Now, looking forward, kind of safe to say at this point, I mean, barring what would be a relatively stunning collapse. Phoenix sits in fourth right now in the Western Conference. As we're winding down the season, it's looking like the playoffs are going to be a very real thing. Who do you see as the big rivals to Phoenix possibly making a run at the title this year? That's a great question. I mean, I think Phoenix will end up in second or third place because it's all so bunched up. And looking at the run-in, they don't play any teams in the top three the rest of the season. So uh, that bodes well. As far as first-round matchups, you know, I think some people want to see Swope Park. Other people don't want to see Swope Park because they've had a stranglehold on the Western Conference these last two seasons, even when they've been nowhere near the top of the regular season standings. So that's, that's one name that comes to mind. Even though they've been in bad form, if they sneak in, maybe get there as a seventh seed, I won't know that. Um, just they have juju over everyone in this conference. Mm-hmm. Um, another team that comes to mind, uh, you know, San Antonio is at the bottom of those standings, but they always play us tough. It will be fascinating to see how we match up against them in the next two weeks. But that's a team that also concerns me just because their defensive approach makes the margins of error so small. Uh, and that's what you don't want as a home favorite in round one. Um, so really it's just those kinds of teams that match up well with us that are physical, possibly Reno too. I mean, Reno, we haven't seen much of them. We played them very early in the season, eked out a win over there, but they were in good form for a long stretch. Now they just haven't played in a while, but that's one that would just, it's a mystery to me. And then on the flip side, I'd love to see Timbers too in the first round. Cause I know we can take them. Uh, I would love to see, you know, maybe not love to see, but I wouldn't mind seeing maybe like a St. Louis in the first round because I know we match up well with them. We beat them in St. Louis this year. Uh, Or even if a team like Sacramento, I think they have some potential, but I think if they slip, we could match up well with them. Well, we will have to see how the rest of the season shakes out. It's going to be an exciting uh, race to the finish here with, 
playoffs on the line for so many teams as the Western Conference is so bunched up. Thank you so much for joining me, Dominic. Once again, Dominic Kern of Rising Podcast. Why don't you tell people where they can find you and your show on social media? Yeah, um, you can find us at Rising Pod on Twitter. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play at Rising Pod or just Rising as One. That's the uh, that's the name of the podcast officially. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, but we are most active on Twitter. And again, that is at Rising Pod. And you know, I just have. Do you mind if I ask a question or two about about Las Vegas? Um, absolutely, you sure can. Yeah, I mean, I know this has been a tough first season. There have been some signs of optimism. I saw that Vegas has a four-match home winning streak, but it's been tough on the road. Do you see this project being something that will take it, that will go to another level next season and in the years to come? I, I absolutely do. I think that uh, Isidro and Shalice, when they came into this league, they, they they've admitted that, They've they had some missteps with the orig- uh, roster they originally built, and you've seen the corrections for that over this summer transfer window. And I think as they get a better handle on how to best play in the USL, you're going to see the team reflect that. The players that are going to start coming in are going to be uh, better suited towards winning at this level. You're going to see uh, hopefully hopefully an infusion of younger talent. And I think you'll see the tactics start to change a little bit so that next year they can start opening up and playing a more attacking style that they very much want to play. And I think that'll finally start to coming to fruition in the years to come. Overall, I think this was a very good foundation, but it's time to bring those building blocks uh, up ahead to the next level next season. And I guess my last question would be, you know, Las Vegas is up at the top of the charts as far as discipline is concerned. Uh, you know, number one in yellow cards, number two in red cards. Seems like there are a lot of guys picking up these cards, getting on suspension. Um, you know, are you okay with that? Or do you want to see that change moving forward? Personally, I would love to see it change. I think that uh, anytime that you're, you have players that are out on suspension, they're not contributing to the team at that moment, that's never a good thing. Do I think it's going to change from what I've heard from people like Isidro? What he said is he, do, he it doesn't concern him. He likes that the team plays as aggressively as they do. He thinks that uh, a lot of the cases it's not so much making a bad tackle as it is being second or just making a more aggressive tackle that you don't often see in this league. At, at least that's how he puts it. So... I don't. I think that that is very much going to be part of what this team is. Is that they are going to see a lot more bookings, and they're always going to hang around with the league's most booked teams. Okay. Uh, thanks for those questions. And uh, as always, you can you can find my podcast, The Rising Pod. I'll give a quick game prediction. I'll say two one Phoenix, but this will be a tight game up until the end. All right, I like the sound of that. Always always like the sound of, at the very least, an exciting matchup at Cashman Field. Once again, you can get your tickets still available at lightsfc.com slash ticks. Hope to see you there tonight, people. And Dominic, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. All right, anytime. Have a good one. Oh.
we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.